When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. I even had a gift receipt. If you feel there's more to life than iPhones and iPads and mindless consumerism, if you're open to receiving information in all forms in any number of ways, if organized religion, organized political movements, and any kind of collectivism doesn't just quite cut it for you, if you engage in critical thinking, if you think for yourself, if you have peace and love in your heart and Jack Daniels in your bloodstream, if you believe that seriousness is a disease, if you're curious, then come, let us go on a journey together as we explore the outer limits of inner truth. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we are going to be focusing on the art of healing. Healing your body, healing your soul. And without further ado, let us begin tonight's show. Joining us today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show is Miss Marie Manucherry. She is an energy intuitive an author, a speaker, and a metaphysical teacher. Welcome to the program, Ms. Menacherry. Thank, Thank you for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So when people come to your site and they learn more about you, one of the first things I think kind of jumps out at people is the fact that you are a self-taught healer. Can you please go and explain about how you became a self-taught healer and what exactly – you are healing? Ah, that's a good question. Um, Well, I wasn't planning on being an energy worker or an intuitive. I was actually an oncology nurse in Seattle, where I live now. And uh, it was kind of a funny situation because my family is so holistic. My mother only took us to Chinese herbal medicine doctors or a chiropractor for our health when I was a child. Um, We did get vaccinations, but we were usually a couple years behind. And so the pediatrician would ask that we come through the back door, you know, as if we were going to contaminate the patients because we hadn't been vaccinated appropriately. So when I decided to go to nursing school, my family was actually kind of disappointed. They're like, what do you mean you're going to study conventional medicine? I mean, go to Bastyr and become a naturopath. And Uh. I just had this very odd experience when I walked into a hospital um, when I was pregnant with my first child, because I went to nursing school later in life. I was I graduated when I was 30. And uh, um, I just had this incredible energetic rush that ran through my body um, that made me extremely happy. And so when it had been brought to my attention many times over many years, I decided to study nursing. And uh, so long story short, I ended up on the oncology floor um, again, not planning that, um, you know, giving some of the worst or most toxic chemicals to patients when my family is so holistic, we eat organic food, you know, it's like, um, but I loved it. I loved nursing. I loved working in the hospital and I loved caring for people um, during one of their most challenging moments in life. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And that's where I opened up. 
So uh, even though I had been raised holistically and read a lot of spiritual text when I was a child and a teenager, I hadn't really had a lot of what I would call individual experiences. Occasionally, like once a decade, I'd have a moment of something that would uh, that would make me go, oh my gosh, you know, I'm actually having a felt experience of all the things that I've read about. But that's about the extent of it, which I think is kind of what, you know, Oh, many people you have these experiences with these visualizations were these just uh, feelings that you had they were overwhelming well like this this one time when I was about 12 we lived in an apartment complex and a young woman had passed away she um, had um, drowned in a bathtub and and I, re- I remember standing in the hallway of the complex as they were moving her, her body uh, on the stretcher you know the, the morgue people were um, or I don't know whom it was exactly but they were moving her body out and she was in this zipped up bag and I thought for sure I would be upset or sad because I knew her um, somewhat. And I just remember feeling all this joy as her body passed me, as if her spirit was in joy. And I thought, God, that's really weird. So I didn't have a vision. I just had you know, a feeling, feelings that would come on spontaneously at odd moments that were not what I would expect. And that was kind of the extent of my experiences, and I was grateful for them, and I thought they were lovely, and I was a a devout person of believing in spirituality and studying it. I mean, not after I got married, I got too busy with kids and all of that, but um, so on the oncology floor, all of a sudden, and I shouldn't say all of a sudden, I had studied um, meditation a a few years prior and, and was taking classes because I'd had um, a health issue. I was beginning to have tachycardia, where my heart would race uh, all the time, frequently. And I had been to the cardiologist, and he said that I was, I was perfectly fine, but that my biorhythms were off. So I had switched from night shift, and that's why I was working on the oncology floor, because I had to work day shift to get my biorhythms corrected. And um, the tachycardia had come back, even though I switched to day shift. So that's why I started studying meditation. And... Um, while I was on the oncology floor, I, I began to hear my patients' organs talk to me. So I began to have these conversations. I'd be standing at the bedside of someone, checking their pulse or changing their IV or doing, you know, normal medical things that I thoroughly enjoyed and um, still, and I miss today, by the way. I wish they'd let me into the hospital just a couple days a year and let me do some nursing. Um, but they shouldn't because that's not a good idea when you haven't done it for a long time. Um, and all of a sudden I would hear the, the liver start chatting me up. And at the same time that it was talking to me about its process, its physiology, which I was so grateful that I'd studied the anatomy and physiology because I knew what liver enzymes, you know, the names of them. And so as they were speaking to me and telling me their challenging of their process, I would all of a sudden start to see the liver, almost like I had x-ray vision inside the body. And it, as it happened to me, I wasn't freaked out because I had read um, like Seth Speaks when I was a teenager and the Masters and Teachers of the Far East and many other um, incredible books that I still cherish today. And so I, I wasn't freaked out. In fact, I was really happy. I was enjoying the experience. And every single day there would be another multisensory experience. Um, after a while, I began to see literally movies in my mind of a, ch- of a person's childhood where they had been emotionally hurt, which I was being told, which led to their disease because they never worked on it and created stagnation in their body energetically that led to the disease. And it doesn't mean that stagnation will always lead to disease, which, of course, I found out much later as I began to work on people energetically. 
but that it, there's always a potential when we don't feel our emotions and we repress them. Can I just pause you for just one yeah. second because you had mentioned that you mentioned that you'd actually had or been receiving information or direct communication with a lot of organs of a person's body. Yeah. When you say that, it implies at least I, I get the feeling that it describes each of those organs as having a, a consciousness. So that being said, is a liver, is a heart, is a intestine, is that a conscious being progressing its way through various evolutionary cycles where that heart will one day actually be a full-fledged human being? And that is the human being is the expansionness of that consciousness that, they, that as we grow and evolve spiritually – that would become bigger, more um, majestic type beings that we go from a heart to a full-fledged human, maybe to an angel. Wow, you ask such cool questions. I mean, a Thank question you. I had never even thought of before, but I think it's quite <laughs> stunning and beautiful. Um, I think everything is alive with energy. Everything is alive. Everything has awareness. Everything has consciousness. Everything is the universe. Everything is God. And so when we sit in reverence of something, like because I think I loved nursing so much, anything you love allows a human being's vibration and frequency to expand, which allows us to be in alignment with the consciousness of creation or the divine, our true selves, actually. And so I think in those moments, because I was in such deep love with what I was doing, that I was able to have these reciprocal you know, connections and communications with a person's body. But I think the answer to your question is yes. It sounds stunning and beautiful, but I never thought about it. It's quite gorgeous. So they could actually be evolving. And you, know, you mentioned the way that you talk to people's livers. I can only imagine... like. If you ever walked by a group of Irish guys and you could hear their livers talking, I would imagine that all the livers would have like a gym sounding voice. Ah, you know, I do 25 crunches a day. I drink 25 beers. Yeah, because they're, they're getting such a workout all the time. It, it, um, it's true. I mean, from that moment on, it, it was like my multisensory abilities became very, very strong. And after a while, I actually told my nurse supervisor because I was a charge nurse most days that I worked, and I was really worried that I'd be listening to the stories in some someone's pancreas, and and that if there was an emergency on the floor, that I wouldn't respond appropriately. And it was the charge nurse's job to lead a code if one was to happen on the floor. And um, so I went to my nurse supervisor and told her what was happening to me. And I really thought she was going to suspend me and order a psyche eval. I, I really thought that was what – and I hadn't even – I was married at the time. I didn't even tell my husband. He had no idea. My meditation groups knew what was happening to me, and they thought it was amazing. So I was keeping it to myself, um, of course, because I was a little worried about telling some people. But I was also just so happy. I had something that was just for me. It wasn't for my children or – my partnership, and even though it definitely related to my patients, it was my perception and my experience, and so I was having a lot of fun. And to my delight and my surprise, my nurse supervisor um, told me that she thought I was seeing energy and that I needed to start laying my hands on our patients. And she spoke about chakras and you know, healing touch and therapeutic touch. I'd never studied energy medicine, I didn't know what a chakra was. I knew that something was purple, and obviously my purple chakra was very active because, of course, that's the third eye, which I didn't know at the time. Um, and so she actually encouraged me, and that's how I trained myself. I started laying my hands on patients, and I would go to a patient's room that I did not know, so I didn't, didn't, hadn't read their chart. They were not my patient. And I would ask if I could lay hands on them, and I would have all kinds of experiences and images and feelings and then I would go out to their chart and look at medical, conventional medicine's perception of their 
energy, although that's not how they would describe it. And it allowed me to create um, a dictionary, an encyclopedia, of, of, if you will, of what things represent to me. And, um, and of course, I've learned how to move energy in the body just naturally. It's just something I naturally know how to do is to move energy. And you're also right. I mean, when I'm out in the world, I can hear people's bodies. I try, um, it, it, and it's it's been a, a pleasure to actually spend more time in my body. Empathic people, I'm sure most of your listeners are empathic. They can feel the feelings of others, and they're usually very attracted to other people, and they're always helping in some way. Um, but I think empaths need to learn to be present within their own being and connected to their own desires and to nurture and take care of themselves. And so even though I can hear everybody's organs or have, have knowingness of their life situations, I do my very best to stay in my body and make sure um, when I'm in a coffee shop I order tea and instead of you know three shots of coffee or something like that um, so that I can continue to evolve and grow as well. Do you feel that if you agree that, or at least explore the idea that various parts of the body are their own consciousness, and if they are their own consciousness, do you think that there's a possibility that a liver or a heart or a um, various vital organ could have positive and negative attributes? And sometimes when we look at, say, why people get sick, do you think the sickness can be drawn to the person based on the person's own consciousness, or could it be something that has to do with the consciousness and aspects directly pertaining to that liver? Like, could that liver be coming in as a conscious being with maybe some uh, negative aspects or negative trajectories in its evolution that the liver could actually go, and that could be the prime reason? Yeah, I think yes to both of those questions. I think that okay. we are so magnificent. I think souls are so profound, so intelligent, so wise. And I believe that we choose when we come to Earth and we choose even our family dynamics and that there are things that we want to learn, of course, have great experiences here in the human world, like having sex or watching a beautiful sunset or learning how to ride a bike or learning something amazing in academia, you know. Like, we want to have incredible experiences, and, and we also know that there are things we want to learn, and this is the contractual planet, and that a disease is a gift, just like a divorce or bankruptcy or any of those things. And, and those are hard things for people to ingest, especially if they're sick or a loved one is. But I believe Yeah, I think it's pretty tough, especially if you, you, know, if you, if you give someone you know, an STD and you say, yeah. listen, it's a gift. <laughs> well, hopefully... You're welcome. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> if someone's giving them and uh, giving another person a disease, they're not saying, hey, I mean, hopefully they don't know that they have that. Hopefully there's... Yeah. Um, some, Here's a gift for your evolution. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> well, the soul might be saying that because when people have STDs that are challenging to cure, what it means energetically in their bodies, they have a lot of shame around sexuality and their freedom to be, and ability to be free sexually. And so I don't think that any of us have to have horrific things happen in our lives to learn. We don't have to ha be sick. We don't have to lose our resources or leave relationships. I think we have to become conscious, you know, we have to become aware, we have to realize we have choice, we have to pay attention to what our mind is telling us and typically don't listen to it. We have to learn to stay in the flow of our emotional body and choose in regards to what we really deserve and what is really related to our self-worth. And so all these contractual experiences help us to get in that space. Okay, so I'm just curious, if a person has got a relatively higher vibrational frequency, they're relatively peaceful, yet they experience a tragedy 
in their life. Root cause wise for that tragedy, do you think that that could be more attributed to a previous soul contract that was decided prior to them coming in that they were going to allow this event to happen at a certain particular day and time in their life? Or do you feel in some ways that the tragic event could be a wake-up call from the higher self, which maybe is kind of frustrated that the person is not making the adequate progress that they came here to make, saying, listen, we only have a limited time here. We need to learn this lesson. We're trying to go about it the very peaceful way. Unfortunately, the only way we're going to get you to learn this is by using this horrible example, and we have to take advantage of it because we only have a limited time left. Yeah, I don't think the higher self at all judges us or even chooses our experiences. I think we choose them before we get here, and I think we have free will. And so I think we put in, okay, if I don't, want, if I don't learn this, I really want to learn unconditional love, and I've tried for centuries. I've been working on it in multiple past lives, and I just can't quite figure it out. So this, I think, could help me. You know, this scenario, I, I think I could learn unconditional love, but this happens to me. If I don't figure it out at, at 12 or 22 or whatever, this is something that I think will work. So the higher self is unconditional and actually doesn't see us in any form of imperfection. It's the 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 humanness or the lack of awareness that sees imperfection. Every being is perfect exactly the way they are. And, and that's why when we look at people who have had a tragic situation, which could be about learning to surrender and let go. You know, like the loss of a loved one could be that maybe we wanted to learn to surrender. Maybe we're very controlling, and we have been controlling in multiple lifetimes, and now we need to learn to let go, and, we, and we're and we willing to do whatever it takes to evolve. And, um, and when you're on the other side, in another dimension before you incarnate, it looks relatively easier. <laughs> you know, you forget. Yeah. You know, it's like when women get pregnant again, like they forget how painful it was Oh, give birth. I'm like, oh, they say it's better the second time. I can guarantee you it's not better the second or the third time. It still hurts like heck. And But when you're on the other side, you, you know, you're surrounded by, you know, you can feel, see, and hear creation and angels. And, you know, you see that you're the, the beautiful dichotomy from hundreds of thousands of lifetimes in a previously lived and experienced, not just with yourself, but with others. And you can see the future, you know, you can see all of it. And so you go, oh, I can do that. No, no big deal. Well, is there a particular reason why we have to forget before we come in here? Because we had an interesting conversation with a gentleman named Rich West and it was a show we aired and I'll tell you, it got a lot of people talking and, and it was surprised to see the kind of reaction that we got when people were saying, yeah, why do we have to forget? Is it really that crucial? What do we actually, um, <laughs> make a lot of strides if we could remember because according to Mr. West he said that forgetting was only a recent aspect of human evolution that in previous lifetimes we're talking about maybe tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of evolutions we remembered mm-hmm. I was wondering what you felt about that well I agree I think we fell from grace a while ago we we went into ego sort of to speak and um, the reason why we have this veil which looks like a placenta to me that surrounds the earth plane it's because if we brought all of our consciousness, and we don't bring all of our consciousness with us, we, that's why we have this higher self, which embodies most of our soul's awareness. We bring parts that will be helpful for this lifetime, and we bring parts that we want to heal. Um, I think we'd go crazy. I mean, the Earth plane is one of the lowest time-space realities in all of the cosmos. In many dimensions, war and famine don't even exist. Even in, in language, they don't exist. And this is one of those... Time space reality is one of the lowest in all of you know. Uh, I'm confused. What do you mean lowest? I mean this is is this considered? This is I guess in the greatest. Is it, is it like a hell world? Like a hell? Like a very yeah, form of hell? You know, 
I think hell is internal. Uh, I don't think it truly exists, but this is okay. yeah, this is a very low frequency vibration. This is not a conscious time space reality. And I believe the placenta or the veil thins as individuals become conscious. And as we become conscious, we then create create a stronger connection to our higher self and we can start to download our awarenesses and our knowingness that we've had um, from cellular memory, from other lifetimes, and all of those things. And at the same time, um, this is a very popular destination. A lot of people grow and evolve from this time-space reality, or we wouldn't have, ins- we would not have seven billion human beings on the planet. I mean, we have many other soul form- formations as well, but seven billion human beings. It's pretty amazing. You know, when you, I have to say the one thing that you said that this may be one of the lower, uh, like, vibrational areas. But then I implore anyone to take a look at nature. And oh, examine the aspect totally. of nature because that's um, you know, we've been talking to a lot of our wonderful experts that have been on our shows, and you know if you look outside, you look at the media, look at the way things are. It seems like the world's going into this this era of darkness, an unprecedented era of darkness. But then you, if you look and study nature, you see how beautiful it is, and see how constant it is, and see how everything's in the now. It, it seems like the antithesis of what's going on in human consciousness. So I'm wondering. When you're saying that this place is a maybe a, a lower vibrational place, is it the frequency for which the people evolve on this earth, or is it just the earth itself that's operating at a very low frequency that's able to sustain this type of consciousness for which well, is perceived it's, as evil? It, yeah, it's, it's not evil, and I agree, nature is gorgeous. And I actually think that we are at one of the highest vibrations that we've been in for many, 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 many centuries. I mean, we live closer together than we ever have before, and we have less violence. Even though it's reported 300 times more than it actually occurs, we actually have less violence on the planet. So I think we're improving and we're growing and our consciousness is expanding like crazy, and I agree that we we have... I, I can't wait to come back, and I don't want to leave. I love Earth. I think it's phenomenal. But I think it's also important to realize that this is why we don't... We, why we have the veil. It's because... The consciousness is so low, the awareness is so low, that if we brought all of ourselves here, it it would be very challenging. And and we have also every level of consciousness here on Earth. We have people who are like maybe new souls, and we have people who are old souls. And and there's actually a fairly even amount of young and new souls. When When you're in energy, when you leave your body and you're just in energy molecules, you actually live in vibrational frequencies that match your energy. So this is a, a very unique place where we get to have, you know, the masses of vibration coming together, and that's one of the reasons why we learn so quickly, because the contrast is so vivid. It's a very vivid place. You learn right away what you like and what you don't like, and you, you learn about manifesting. As you grow your awareness, you learn about your thoughts and your feelings. You learn a lot of experiences. And, and to be able to do something here in this low frequency means that you're going to be able to maintain high levels of vibration and multiple time-space realities. So if you learn it here, wow. You, it's, kind of, it's kind of like if you do it, in, if you can do it in New York, you can do it anywhere. <laughs> I love New York, though. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say, that if we are... We're these eternal beings, and we live forever, and there are all these opportunities to grow, and we have, you know, we're eternal. What is the rush to do it? What is the the rush to come to Earth and to do it when you realize that you could have a choice of all these different other realities that don't have the the threat of war, don't have the threat of a famine, don't have the the shock factor or the the tragicness of, of physical death? Um, I don't understand. I, I, I think our, our most souls 
crazy for coming here? Is, is it is it an act of uh, celestial insanity to come here when, when you're? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't think so at all. I think souls see that as everything is beautiful. It's, it's the human being that sees that, that contrast is ugly and unwanted and undesirable, and that's completely untrue. Creation sees that everything is gorgeous, that black velvet is as beautiful as blinding white light, and that there's nothing wrong with contrast. It's all, contrast is all gorgeous and stunning and beautiful. So that's what we're learning to do, too. Even as we grow in our consciousness, one of the things that allows us to evolve is to love those parts of ourselves that we wish were different or that we're disappointed in um, or we wish had never happened. We're learning to love those aspects of ourselves, which allows us to increase our frequency. And ultimately what will happen, probably not in my lifetime, um, dang it, but probably uh, what I think will happen ultimately is we won't die our bodies anymore. We'll just make decisions to leave, like, oh, okay, I want to go to another dimension, and everyone go, great, okay, see you later, and you know, and we'll just walk out of our bodies. We won't have to have an illness, which is a low-frequency perception that our body is going to die in a particular time period or that we have to be harmed in order to leave our bodies. And I also at the same time believe that um, every form of death is a form of suicide. When a being wants to leave because we don't know how to walk out yet, they decide that they want to go unconsciously, and they find a way to leave. Wow, oh. that's that's pretty amazing. And do you think that some beings they will walk out of here without fully utilizing or maximizing their true potential for that particular lifetime? I, I think that people leave all the time, and that's why they keep coming back. <laughs> I, this is a, such a popular place, and not only for those of us who are in body right now, but for many people who are on the heaven for this earth, they're still extremely attracted to this time-space reality and really interested. It's almost like an addiction. I, I find it fascinating how many loved ones are peering down into the earth realm and excited to incarnate or can't wait till their loved ones cross over so they can incarnate again. And um, really? Yeah, and... And our natural gifts and talents never leave us. In fact, if we look at energy medicine, the fifth layer of the org field is called life purpose or the divine plan. And it has a blueprint on it. It's an etheric template. It never, ever, ever changes. It always vibrates in our natural gifts and talents. And one of the ways that we can access that part of us is to speak our truth, which doesn't come from the mind, by the way. It really comes from the emotional body, you know, resting, closer to the second chakra in the pelvic cavity so we connect to the emotional body, which is where our true essence lies and our true awareness and speaking from that place. That's what allows us to, to align to our natural gifts and talents. Okay, and also, how do you remember some of the talents that you've learned over the course of several lifetimes? Uh, I'll say something that the world right now appears to be you know, fluctuating, changing. We may go back to a more simple way of life, if uh, things continue to go with the way things are going, I guess, on the global economic front, and maybe if we go back to a more simple place in life, wouldn't it be wonderful if all the people on Earth could remember the skills that they developed maybe in the earlier centuries when they really had to toil and become blacksmiths or become farmers? Is there any way that people can instantaneously uh, recall that information? Because I think it – I don't know. I almost feel it's a, it would be – isn't it a waste of time? Um, so Earth time to have to relearn something you you dedicated maybe two or three lifetimes learning before. Yeah, that's really cute. Um, I, I think that we can remember anything and everything, and it comes from being connected to ourselves. So everything that we would we've ever experienced is in our cellular memory, and because that is who we are is that cellular memory is a part of us. It's our God self, and everything is there in front of us. I'm sure you've had moments where you know something, you have no idea how you would know it 
but you are in a high enough frequency. So I believe how we get to these places is to be in, in a very high frequency. But worrying about the planet, you know, regressing to a time period where we need to become simplified doesn't create a high frequency. Certainly, it's exciting and it's interesting, but it doesn't create a high frequency. I think what's interesting about Earth and what sometimes people forget is that she's a soul, too. You know, she is her own entity. She decided to be a planet. She incarnated into this hemisphere in order to, or whatever word I want to use, into the astral consciousness as a planet. And she's no more conscious than the beings who live upon her. So she's as conscious as the deep south or um, troubled parts of, the world, and she's as conscious as Bali. And um, do you feel like Gaia? Is that, is that the, you're talking about Gaia? I, I guess the spirit of her? To, to, to describe it, sure. I mean, but she's a was soul. She, she's conscious. She's learning through the experiences. Was she once a human being? We've on all been a, many a, things. We've all been human beings. We've all been planets. We've been spirit guides for other people. We've been animals. We've been many, 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 many things. So the answer is absolutely. She's been a human being. She probably loves human beings. I mean, she's allowing 7 billion of us to live on top of her. Because if she didn't want us here, she could just have a few earthquakes, an ice age, whatever, and we could be gone. And, you know, she could have a, a thousand tsunamis. You know, she, it's her... It's her being that we live upon, and she obviously loves human beings extraordinarily so because she allows us to live here and dwell here. She adores us. It's quite amazing. Now, are you familiar with the major advances that they're having in artificial intelligence right now, how they're making robots, and it seems that Terminator, the sci-fi movie, it's it's becoming a reality. They they actually have software that's Mm self-aware and robots that are self-aware. I'm curious to know if those types of machines, what kind of spirits those are bringing in? Because I would imagine that anything that takes on an artificial intelligence has to have some form of I agree. a spirit with it. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually, and, and how creative the universe is and that if, if, some, if, if a, a being can dwell in a rock, it can dwell in metal and computer chips. You know, that consciousness is forever expanding and creative and wants to have experiences. And, and we can't limit um, consciousness, God, creation. It's everywhere. It's in everything. You know, everything is energy, and, and that's what creation is, is energy. How does one align their body to be in the best flow of energy? Because you talked about free-flowing energy can release pain, can release disease. So when you're working with someone, what are some of the steps that they can do? To, you know, help their body. A great question. Well, first and foremost, I believe people heal themselves, even though I I love and vibrate with the word healer. It's a word that touches my heart very deeply. I believe people heal themselves, and they create their life. And so first and foremost, we have to get that, you know, into a person that they're really powerful, and not in the old sense of power, but in the new sense of power, which was, which means to be vulnerable, you know, to really know yourself. There There has to be this intimate relationship with yourself where you're willing to like I said earlier, embrace things that you've decided are failures or shortcomings or negativities about yourself, to really love those parts of yourself unconditionally, just like creation does. I think doing that starts to shift the molecular structure inside the human being. And one of the ways that I I do myself and I um, recommend for other people is to start having positive, loving dialogue with yourself. So in order to get in that zone, that vibrational zone, what you might want to do 
uh, or what I typically recommend is to think of something you do unconditionally love, like maybe trees, for one, one. You know, when you mention nature, you know, how beautiful that is. It could be another human being, a child, a pet, um, anything. It could be anything. Maybe someone is in love with art. And so you move into that frequency. You remember that feeling that you have for that other thing. And, and you'll notice your vibration shifting just by feeling love for something. And then you transfer that love into yourself, and then you start having that nice conversations with yourself. So you could be in line at your favorite coffee shop, and no one's going to know that you're in your head going, baby, I love you. You're an amazing and dynamic being. I'm so proud of you, and I'm just grateful, you know, that you are here right now on this planet enjoying your life or whatever. I just think that internal dialogue that's compassionate and kind needs to be a big part of the human consciousness. Because most human beings vibrate in very negative, self-critical, self-loathing energy. And it's, it's epidemic, actually. In fact, for a lot of people, it's not even conscious for them. I think for a lot of spiritually aware people, they do have the consciousness of their self-criticism, but they don't exactly know what to do about it or to recognize that being ego does not mean loving yourself. It's not what Webster's Dictionary describes at all. And... Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's a great way where people can start to heighten their vibration. You get your molecules spinning at a faster rate with a lot more frequency and vibration. You start cleaning out stagnant energy just by being kind and loving to yourself. So that, first and foremost, prevents disease because you start releasing stagnation. It allows you to deal with things that maybe have been blockages or barriers for you because they will gently come up into your awareness and you'll be able to love and appreciate and value yourself. Uh, yeah, so that's what I think can make a big difference for human beings. Okay, and is it okay to go by like maybe five or six different ailments and try to gauge your reaction on what the metaphysical root cause of that could be? Sure, I do that all the time. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I'm doing it from multiple levels, of course. Um, someone may, may want to know why they've attracted diabetes or heart disease or uh, why their liver won't improve or things of that nature. So, yeah, I think it's great to talk about those aspects. Sure. How about the uh, first one? Let's do heart disease. Heart ah, disease, heart attacks. Yeah. So the heart chakra, um, you know, governs, of course, heart muscle, breast tissue, and the lungs. Um, men and women, although a strong woman may do this or a more feminine may do the opposite, men and women move their energy slightly differently. So men tend to repress anger in their chest. Women tend to repress grief in their chest. So uh, that's what leads us more to having heart disease for men or women based on those two energies. And there's also another component that's very important with the heart chakra. The heart chakra is the highest receptivity vortex in the physical body. So it takes in the most amount of energy than all of the chakras that we have. And a lot of people are not good at receiving. They have a very hard time allowing others to appreciate them or value them or even just to allow molecules in. A lot of people walk around very depleted energetically. And that's why we drink too much caffeine and why we're in adrenal fatigue globally, not just in the U.S. And so um, if, if an individual would imagine, you know, colors of light or warmth or rain or anything, anything that turns them on or makes them happy, if they can imagine waves of, of that, like in particle mass or just even in images, moving into their back, not out of their body, but just into their back, they're going to start to receive energy, which will clear out stagnation, which will help their heart muscle and all those other anatomical areas of their body, um, and also prevent disease. Okay, and what about cancer? Uh, various forms of cancer throughout various aspects of the body, because cancer is, it, I mean, it takes different forms, but 
if you have get if you get cancer throughout your body or get cancer a particular aspect, what is the cancer um, root cause of the cancer? Yeah, well, cancer is really unique in that because it can go in any any part of the body, and each chakra is responsible for certain anatomical structures. So it would depend on where it entered the body. So like um, diseases in the brain, what, what, if it's a tumor, let's say, or epilepsy, it's about denial, Be, denying something or being in denial about something very important in your life that you refuse to look at authentically. Um, so that's what creates diseases in the brain. Like maybe someone who's in a, a long-term relationship and they haven't been in love. In fact, the relationship has been challenging and difficult, and they refuse to even accept that it's difficult. That could create a disease in their brain. Um, and, you know, we could go on and on with all the chakra systems. Um, cancer is an interesting disease because I, I really think that in the next decade we're going to have significant cures that are not as challenging as chemotherapy because really what we need to do is find ways to enhance the immune system rather than break it down for any disease, but certainly for cancer. And we've had a lot of fear about cancer, which has unfortunately allowed it to stay a disease. Uh, when we have mass consciousness and fear, then we create barriers for it to be healed. Um, and now people are starting to live with cancer longer, even if they can't heal from it. Even if it's really complicated, people are living longer and even full lifetimes. And so we're starting to release our fear. We're starting to feel hope, and, and that's excellent, and I think that's going to help our scientists come to new developments. And, of course, it's going to help holistic medicine have more of a prominent place in the world when it comes to maintaining the immune system. Do you find ever find a particular reason why there's so many people on the planet right now that are just very fat, very obese? You never would have seen this 50 years ago, but I guess it's a dominating thing. And we've got a number of perspectives, but I was wondering what your perspective was on why people are, um, I guess, larger than than they should be, I guess, healthy yeah, speaking. That's such a, a really great question. Yes, great questions, by the way, Ryan. Just lovely. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Uh, you know, I've never really thought about obesity because, believe it, I've touched thousands of people, and there's only one person <laughs> that they've laid hands on, and I've all different sizes and shapes and ages and genders and colors and everything, only one person have I been asked um, through the connection of the divine, if you will, to lose weight. So the universe doesn't look at weight the way we do. Um, the, the universe thinks that everyone's gorgeous and beautiful exactly the way they were. <laughs> uh, the universe also had too many at the bar, too. <laughs> That's the universe, true. The universe is, at the, is perpetually at the bar at 3 a.m. Um, Everyone's but, beautiful. <laughs> no, seriously. You're all great. It's really true. I mean, I mean, I mean, the universe is so benevolent that when a horrific experience happens on the Earth realm, like a nuclear accident or a plane crash or or horrific war, the universe doesn't look down at that thing that's occurring to us and go, "Oh my God, those poor souls." The universe goes, "Wow, look at all these opportunities for evolution and expansion." So. Um, so I, but to answer your question, uh, I, I do think that when I look at obesity, it's just another kind of obvious way that we're really unkind to ourselves. We're not kind to our bodies, and we're not we're creating too much um, sitting and not activity. So I think it's a way that we're we are grossly seeing our lack of self love, and and it's important for us because we've reached a tipping point in consciousness where we now understand the aspect of self love. It doesn't mean that everybody understands it, but enough people have read about it since the 60s that we need to love ourselves. We now know that it's true and it's viable, but we're still working on embodying what does that feel like to love yourself, which is very different than a thought. 
that you've gotten from a paragraph in every self-help book on the planet. Um, and so we've reached this tipping point, so I think the, the obesity is, is helping us to see how important it is for us to love ourselves and what it looks like when we are not loving ourselves. Ms. Marie Manucherry, we didn't even get to the 50% mark as far as the topics we wanted to cover. We'd love to have you back. It was a real great interview, and I want everyone to please go to Ms. Manucherry's website at energyintuitive.com. You can sign up for private lessons. You can see some great events. You can buy her books. She's got a radio show. Real, real fascinating uh, subject matter. Really love to take in a lot of things, and I think people are going to be thrilled with the show today. So thank you so much. Oh, it's great honor to have you. And thank you. You are an amazing host. I love your questions. You are a truly evolved being, and it was a pleasure to be with you. Uh, thank you so much. Okay, everyone, that concludes tonight's edition of the Outer Limits of Energy Youth Radio Show. Very special thanks to our great guest, Miss Marie Manucherry. And, of course, to our unbelievable virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Constance Stellis, and Miss Lisa Caza. And to learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Youth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care and have an unbelievable rest of the week. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love a sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. 